she loves garage selling. Uh, in fact, I mean, it, if there's a poster board and it's got Sharpie on it, she's begging me to slow down. Slow down so I can read it. Slow down. Garage sale. Garage sale. And I'm like, hey, chances are if they used a poster board and a Sharpie, what they're selling is not precious or valuable. It's just not that great. I don't think we And she's always wanting to sell. How many of you do not like garage sales? Okay. You're my people. I just don't. In fact, uh, my daughter, she has now infected all four of our children with this contagious disease, okay? They all love garage selling, so much so that Sky and I were going to breakfast a couple of weeks ago, and, and she's like, oh my gosh, Dad, garage sale, garage sale, yes, Dad, garage sale. I'm not over-exaggerating, that's my daughter. And I look over, and sure enough, tables and chairs and lots of people, and it was great. I knew it was the Holy Spirit that imparted a word to me in that moment, because I said, oh, no, honey, those people are cleaning out their garage, and those people gathered around, they're helping them today. Isn't that beautiful? That's what we're to do as followers of Jesus. And we went on to breakfast. How many of you take it to the next level, and you're a dumpster diver? Dumpster divers in the house. You dig through your neighbor's trash. Shame and condemnation be upon you. My goodness, dumpster diving. That is, that's another level where you're digging through your neighbor's trash. I pulled into our neighborhood the other day and busted one of my neighbors because I, I pulled in and I look off in the distance and one of my neighbors is going through somebody's trash. Oh my gosh. And as I look, I see a black, big, huge, great Dane following this woman. It's my wife! I'm laying on my horn, get away from the trash! She's like, oh, I'm glad you pulled up in your truck. Here, put this in the back. Man. But I, I want to give her some credit. And I want to give her some kudos because she's actually found some, I, I, I got to be honest, found some really cool stuff. Some, some pretty cool things. Look at, yeah, yeah, okay. She's not audience participation right now, okay. <laughs> but she's found, she's found some really cool stuff. In fact, our entire front porch has been from our neighbor's trash. Like everything that's on our front porch was once at the curb for our neighbors for the garbage man to pick up. So what's crazy is a couple of weeks ago, I was out at the Neals right here on the, on the front row at their son Christopher's wedding. Chris is in the back. Wave, Chris, with your beautiful Jocelyn. Wave, wave. They got married two weeks ago. Give them some love. Yeah. So I was out at their wedding and I'm sitting there and I look up at this amazing, beautiful display and here it is. Look at this amazing, beautiful display in the backyard of their wedding. And I look and I realize, that's my front porch. All that stuff is from my front porch. That stuff that was in my neighbor's garbage. And now it's being used in a wedding. Mind blown. I think this is a great picture, though, of God. Our God loves to dumpster dive. He loves it. 
He, he loves to take things that are discarded. He loves to take things and people that are considered worthless and cast off, people who feel like they have no value in their life, and he loves to restore them and use them for his purposes and his plans. God's people say amen to that. Like that is our God, and that's what he does. But I, I think one of the, the greatest hindrances to being used by God is this feeling that we have that I'm worthless, that, that, my, that I have no worth, I, I have no, no value. And, and, and we don't understand that when God will give you a vision or he'll burst something in you or, or you'll have this idea come into your mind, I should go to school for that or I should start that ministry or I should do, I do that. And then instantly, boom, you begin to feel, oh man, I, I, I can't, I can't. I can't really do that because of fill in the blank. Because I, 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 I don't have enough people to help me. I, I, where, would I get, where would I get the money to do that? I mean, I, I don't have, I don't, I'm not, I'm not smart enough to do that. I don't know enough of the Bible. I could never do that. I, I, whatever, fill in the blank of what it is. I don't have the education. I, I you know, what I did back there in the past, the things that I did, God could never, ever use me. And we feel worthless. And then we never embrace the things that God has for us in our lives. But I want you to write this down, and I think this is so important for where we're going to go today, is God's not looking for the worthy. God's not looking for the worthy. He's looking for the willing. God's not looking for the worthy. He's looking for the willing. Because none of us are ever worthy. We have no ability to make ourselves worthy. No, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, it is Jesus who makes us worthy. The Apostle Paul talked about this in a letter that he wrote to the church at Thessalonica where he talked about God is the one who enables us in this life and makes us worthy of his call and what he has for us. In fact, he says that he goes on to say that he gives us the power, the power and the ability to accomplish the purposes and the plans that he has for us. Now, if you weren't here last week, you're looking at these bike rims and you're like, what are these? I don't even know what these are. So let me catch you up to speed. I won't go through the whole backstory on it. But I, I really believe that this is a picture of our city. And the call of God is for us to unite our city together, to go and to restore and to rebuild our city, to go and take the hope and the healing and the peace and the purpose of Jesus into our city. And this rim represents the city. And this hub here represents the church, and you and I are the spokes. And some of you got spokes last week. By the way, if you didn't get a spoke at the end of the service today, when you walk out the doors, they will give you a spoke. I want you to take one because I want you to remi be reminded that you are a spoke. Turn to three people, high five them, and say, you're a spoke. You are a spoke. You are a spoke. In other words, we are people Three people, just three people, okay? You're out of control today, all right? But you and I are called not to the church, but we're called to the church, and then we are sent from the church back into our city. 
So many of us, we are called to go, and God wants to send you back out to the broken places. He wants to send you out to work with with, uh, teen pregnancy. He wants to send you into the schools, into your workplace. He wants to send you onto that ball team. He wants you to coach a team and make a difference in the city. He wants you to help with those who've been abused, with homelessness, with prison ministry, on and on and on and on. God wants to use us, and when the church is doing what it's supposed to do, redemption comes to the city, and strength comes to the city, and this is what it looks like. But as I talked about last week is so many followers of Jesus are are not living sent. And this is really probably a better picture of what the church looks like and what our city looks like. Some people are living sent. Some people are going out and they're helping with homelessness and they're going into their schools or, or they're, they're volunteering in this organization or they're, they're helping with, with this and that and, and, and they're, they're doing all that God has called them to do, but it's not enough. All of us, all of us, come on, say all of us. All of us are called to live sent. And when we don't take our place in the city and in this world, redemption does not come because redemption comes through you and it comes through me. We're the answer. And when we don't go, there is no restoration. There is no healing and the city stays broken. Last week I talked about how we are There's no members at Core Church. No, but you can't be a member. If you want to become a member here, you can't. You can become a missionary, though. In fact, every person who calls upon the name of Jesus for salvation is declared a missionary. Because missionaries don't just get on boats and planes and fly around the world and and do those things, but they go to those places in our, our city. And we talked about last week how in our city, this is no longer a Christian city. And we have to understand that this is probably one of the most church places in our nation, okay? One of the most church places in our nation here in the Tulsa metro area, yet the most conservative statistics say that only four out of 10 people go to church. And that's in a place where it's supposed to be abundant. And we've got to be missionaries. And talked about last week how I am a missionary, Living out the gospel mission on my mission field. Can we say this together? We said it last week. Let's say it today. I am a missionary living out the gospel mission on my mission field. I talked about last week how it comes with a cost. And Jesus helps us here. He tells us it's it's a pretty high cost. So before you say yes, I want you to walk through this with me. Uh, He says this in John 12, 24. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone, but its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. So Jesus, again, is referring to himself. His yes meant that in less than a week, he would be killed on a cross, he would be buried like a seed in the ground, but praise be to God, the Spirit raised him from the dead to new life, and we are the harvest of new lives that he is speaking about. But Jesus is not only talking about himself, but he's talking about his followers as well. This is the kind of life he's asking you and I to live. It's, it's a life that leads us to a cross. It's a life that leads us to a death, so to speak. What does that look like? Last week I told you about a, a, a conference I went to in Los Angeles and with a bunch of pastors, and I woke up at 3 a.m., and 
At 3 a.m., I was just wide awake, and whenever I've been wide awake, I've just learned to just pray. And so I started praying, and when I started praying, God gave me three words. And I gave you those three words last week, but I want to give them to you again this week because I really think these three words are pivotal to your destiny. Pivotal to your destiny. Three words that you are absolutely going to have to wrestle with to get to where God wants you to go. The first one is this word, self-serving. Self-serving. And when I began to talk to God, what what does that mean, self-serving? And God said, this is a picture of the church in in North America. It's very self-serving. It's all about me and myself and what's my needs and what's my desires. God began to show me that people come to church not not for others, but they come only for themselves. What's in it for me? I got to sit in my seat, better sing my songs, better entertain me, better have hot coffee, better not be too weak, better not be too strong, yada, 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 yada. It's all about me. And what God showed me is he said, that's why churches in America are plateaued or dying. Eight out of 10 churches, eight out of 10, 80% of churches in the United States are plateaued or dying. That should be alarming to all of us that call upon the name of Christ. That should not be. But can I tell you why that is? Because we've fallen asleep. Because at one time it looked like this because everybody lived sent. But then we got to this place where we're like, ah, somebody else will do it. And we became self-serving. God even showed me that this is how people are because if it's the church, the church is the people. And, and how God showed me this idea that people are self-serving and so they're, they're plateaued or they're dying in their faith. And they have no passion for Jesus. Like They're, they're never in my word, Brad. They, they barely come to the house of God anymore. And they, 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 they hardly ever talk to me. And when they do talk to me, it's just about their own selfish desires and what they want and what they need. And they never just come to me anymore. And they never think of me and. So the second word is the word I want you to write down is serving. So the first word was self-serving. And the second word that God gave me was, was serving. And, and when I began to talk to God about that and we began to have this conversation, not audible, just, just conversation in my mind and spirit with him. And so this is a picture of, of the church as serving. And I felt, felt God smiling. And I felt like God was smiling at Core Church. He was smiling at us because he said, Brad, this is Core Church. Core Church is a serving church. And people are serving one another, and they get out and they serve in the, the city, and they, they make a difference in that. And, and churches that will do that are the ones that are growing. And core church is growing, not just numerically. I mean, it's, honestly, it's crazy. The people you see in here today, this is what it used to look like on a good day, okay? Not on a rainy day, flash flood warning day. This was a good day for us, okay? Now, this is a low-attended Sunday, I mean, people are coming, but not, that, not just that. They are giving their lives to Jesus, and they are being baptized. We saw that just last week. And then God showed me that, that this is people. Like, people are growing. People who serve, grow. Come on, write that down. People who serve, grow. Man, if you say, man, I'm growing. Like, they have a hunger for the word. They have a hunger for prayer. They have a hunger for the things of God. It's because you're serving. And then there's this third word that he gave me, self-sacrificing. And he said, Brad, that's a place very few people want to go. And I warned you last week. I said, don't come today because this is the week I was going to talk about um, self-sacrificing. And this is a place few are willing to go. But God really showed me this picture that those churches that live self-sacrificing are churches that experience multiplication. In other words, people come to Christ who come to Christ who come to Christ who come to Christ who come to Christ. Churches starting churches starting churches starting churches starting churches. 
That's how we got started. That's who we are. That's what we do. We will go to those places wherever, whenever that God calls us, we will go. And these are the kind of people that we admire. You know what I'm talking about? Those people that you see and you're like, man, no matter what hits them, no matter what comes their way, they bounce back up. They've always got joy in their spirit. I mean, they persevere through things. They have this this passion and love for Jesus. Like, I don't understand it. It's because they are living a life of self-sacrifice. And this is where God wants to take us to. So what does it mean to go from serving to self-sacrificing? Well, first of all, serving, and I'd like for you to write this down. Here's, here's what, what serving is. Serving is something I do. Serving is something I do. In, in other words, when I serve, I, I get to decide what I do. I, I, I can serve here. I can serve there. I, I, I can step in. I can step out. And frankly, honestly, I can just kind of go back to my life. And then when there's another opportunity to serve, I can step in. It's not a bad thing. It's just that's what serving is. But self-sacrificing is a little bit different. Where serving is, where, where, where serving is something I do, self-sacrifice is who I am. Self-sacrifice is who I am and whose I am. In other words, self-sacrifice is this idea, it's, it's, a, it's a call to die to myself, my desires, my plans, my way, and say, I'm going to come alive in Christ, and whatever he desires, whatever his plans are, whatever he wants, like, this, these are the Kelly Sondags of this world, the ones who say, I'll give up a week's vacation. I'll, I'll, she, by the way, nobody's paying her way to Guatemala. She's raising thousands of dollars and spending her own money to get on a plane and go for a week and serve people who can never pay her back. That's what self-sacrificing is. Whatever, whenever, however, whatever God wants for me. So a couple of weeks ago, uh, Laura went out with some of her friends, and I was left alone uh, to fend for myself for dinner. Wow. Uh, no instructions. Uh, no, no, hey, look here. And uh, I mean, ladies, we cannot survive without you. <laughs> That's just the truth. Can I get an amen from the men? Come on. We can't survive without you. I mean, we're, there, there's, there's two things we need you for, okay? Number one, food. Number two, conversation. <laughs> and that's the truth. <laughs> so I was left to fend for myself, and I started looking around. Honestly, I was so tired, so exhausted. I was like, oh, man, I don't and I started looking around. I'm not, I was like, that's not going to happen. And I look at something else. I'm like, well, I don't even know what you put in there. I'm not doing that. And, and then I, and so I was like, I just grabbed a block of cheese. <laughs> started cutting up slices of it. And I'm like, well, that's not going to be enough. What else is around here? And I was like, popcorn. That's easy. <laughs> so I popped some popcorn. Went up into my man cave, turned on Bruce Willis and Death Wish. It was awesome. Then I thought, you know what, I need something to wash this down with. I should have something sweet. Went back down, found some cookie dough, and thought I should make some cookies. And I thought, that'll take way too much time. So I grabbed a huge spoonful of cookie dough, went back up and finished off Death Wish. Yeah, what a great night. Uh, It was a Death Wish, by the way, because uh, about two hours later, whoo, man, bad idea. 
Truth is, so many people are living full but not fulfilled lives because they're filling up on the wrong things. They're filling up on the, on the cheese and the popcorn and the, and the cookie dough of life, and there's no room for the main thing. You've got to make room for the main thing. The main thing is Jesus Christ. The main thing is Christ in your life. Like He is the main thing. Write this down. Don't live full. Don't live full. Live fulfilled. In Christ is where I find fulfillment. When I'm living a self-sacrificing life, I will be fulfilled. This week I got a text from a, a good friend of mine, Mike Mercer. We've been friends for 30 years, and we met in a Sunday school class, a bunch of guys. We were young marrieds, and we became lifelong friends, and uh, most of them have moved to other parts of the country. But we still stay in contact, and we get together once a year. And, and so we'll text each other every once in a while with a prayer request. And he sent a prayer request for his daughter, uh, Anna Grace. And this is a picture of Mike and his daughter. And anytime we get a prayer request for our kids, it's, it's usually pretty heavy, and it's usually not good. And so he said, hey, will you pray for Anna Grace? And I thought, oh, man, what's happened? And then I saw the text. And I was stunned at what her prayer need was. She had sent a prayer request to her dad, and he copied it into the text to us. This was her, her prayer that she sent to her dad. Hey, Dad, would you pray for me this morning? I'm feeling really overwhelmed right now. I have so much stuff to get done for work and church, and friends, and velvet hearts, and I still don't have gifts ready for our next outreach night. I could just really use some prayer. Wait, what? Wait, what? That's your prayer request? Like, boy, there, that busts the stereotype that millennials are lazy and self-centered, right? This girl's like 23 years old, okay? She's saying, hey, work is tough, but I have this ministry, Velvet Hearts. I didn't even know what that was. I looked it up. Velvet Hearts is a ministry in the Dallas-Fort Worth area that goes into the strip clubs. Their whole ministry is to take the unconditional love of Christ into the strip clubs. And she's making these gifts for these, for these women, and they're rescuing and helping these women find the hope and the healing and the peace and the purpose of Jesus. I'm like, I was convicted. Because if, I don't know how you are, I, I want maximum impact with minimal sacrifice. That's just the truth. So many times I want maximum impact with minimal sacrifice. I remember when I was specifically praying and God was speaking to me about saying yes to him and and diving deeper into self-sacrifice. I'm like, how much deeper can I go, God? And he's like, I, I, Brad, I need more of you. And in fact, before you say yes, I want you to read through the book of Acts. It was just this impression I had. And I began to read through the book of Acts. And to be honest with you, I started reading through the book of Acts and I was like, oh man, this is, uh, this is awesome. Wow, this is incredible. Like I'm reading chapter one and, and, and tongues of fire and, and then chapter two and Peter gets up and he, he does this uh, sermon and thousands come to Christ. I'm like, whoop, whoop, yes, it is. And then, you know, in the chapter three, they're all the churches gathering together. Nobody's fighting, nobody's bickering, they're sharing things with one another. I'm like, I'm all in, Jesus. And then I got to chapter four. I'm a 
if you ever read through Acts. It's the story of the early church. And um, I started seeing that, wow, uh, Peter and John got arrested. And then in chapter 5, they got beaten and whipped. And then in chapter 7, oh, one of them gets stoned and killed. And uh, boy, it's a real pick-me-up after that. It just, it's rocking, man. It's a real page-turner. I was reading this, and as you go deeper along in the storyline, the sacrifice these people are making is insane. And, I, I, and I'm reading this, and I'm like, what? And God's like, yes, that's the yes I'm asking from you. That's the yes I want. So are you just going to settle for a full life? Or are you going to live a fulfilled life? And that requires great sacrifice. Verse 25, Jesus says this in John, back in John's gospel. He says, those who love their life in this world, they're actually going to lose it. Now, that's not Jesus being cruel, like, wah, wah, you know, like, are you kidding me? No, it's just the truth, right? I mean, whether you follow Jesus or not, everybody knows you eventually lose everything. You're going to lose your children. They're going to grow up and they're going to move away. Your, your spouse at some point is going to die. Like you're going, to, you're going to get a job, you're going to lose a job. You're going to get a car, car's going to break down. You're going to get a house, you're not always going to live in that house. I mean, it's just, it's just life. But he says this, those who, are, who, those who care nothing for their life in this world, they will what? Say it with me. They will what? Keep it for eternity. I, listen, I see people at Core Church doing this all the time, that, that are living for eternal rewards. A couple of weeks ago, I was back uh, in our kids' wing, and, and I was just talking to some of the volunteers and, and uh, encouraging them, and, and I looked back in the far back room. The lights weren't even on, and Cameron, uh, Cameron Micah was sitting back at this little table, and it had Dixie cups all over it. She's one of our teenagers. I know some of you know her, many of you don't. She's a teenager here. And she's back there with this little pitcher of water, and she's filling up all these different Dixie cups and then taking little goldfish and putting them into other Dixie cups. Nobody's going to ever see her doing that. She's not doing it because she's getting accolades. The children aren't, aren't going to you know, give her a, a tip. She's not getting paid. That's self-sacrifice. And, I, and I, I said, you know, you're, I, I said, Cameron, you're living out Matthew 25, where Jesus said, I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. Wait, I could fill Dixie cups, and that's self-sacrificing? Absolutely. And then I thought, where did she get that from? Because she's a teenager. Like, where did she learn that from? Because you know these millennials, they're so self-serving and they're so selfish and they only think about themselves and they're lazy. Seriously, we need to get off that train, okay? If you're a millennial, you are blessed, you have gifts, you have talents, and you are going to change this world and you're going to change the church of Jesus Christ for his good, okay? You are a generation that matters. And I am ashamed, ashamed of my generation for talking smack against the millennials. Every article I see, it just irritates me. Because I look around and I don't see them that way. I see them as world changers. I see them doing greater things than I would have ever done. And 
So I was thinking, where did she get that from? And I was like, oh, she got it from her mom and dad. So her dad, Brian, um, used to coach a homeless soccer team, gathered these young people, put them onto a team, and he would take them to national tournaments, homeless boys and young people. She got it from her mom, Joanna. Joanna, who serves every Wednesday night in in, uh, our core youth. Nobody even knows that, except maybe some of the parents and the students. But Joanna's here every single Wednesday night when, when I'm home watching something or goofing around. She's here sacrificing. You might know Joanna. She was up on the stage a couple of weeks ago, and she was up here with uh, Sybil and, and Andrea, and all three of them had been working in the grief camp with children who have lost somebody they love. Joanna's the director of that camp. Oh, yeah. She learned it from her, from her mom. This idea of what Jesus, you know, talks about here, about serving is this idea of of not just being a servant, but of living sacrificially. Look with me at verse 26. He says this, anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because, say this with me, what? My servants must be where I am, and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. So if we want to be where Jesus is, we got to go where Jesus is. Where is Jesus? If you look in the scriptures, you look at all the stories, he's not always hanging out in the synagogue. Yes, he's in the synagogue. Yes, he's in the temple. But the majority of his miracles, the majority of his teaching, the majority of his ministry actually happens outside. So if we want to be where Jesus is, we've got to go outside of the church building. You ever seen that kid bored at a grocery store? You know what I'm talking about? They're just so much fun. I just love whenever I catch a kid with their mom and they're like, oh, or their dad, and they're like, oh, I'm dying here. You ever seen a kid doing a floor angel? Just like, uh-huh, uh It's just so funny. I love it. Like, oh, I can't do this anymore. You take that same kid and you put him in a snowbank, he comes alive. I think... There are many people in the church today that are bored because they're just doing floor angels. Uh, Just kind of singing the songs, listening to the message. I come every once in a while just to kind of get the edge off and get the guilt off and just because I think it's the right thing to do. and, And they're bored. And they wonder why they're bored. Because this is not the destination. Sunday morning is not the destination. This is the launching pad. This is the launching pad out into our city and out into our world. You were not created to just take up a seat here. You were created to take up a purpose and a plan for Jesus in our city. This is what you were created for, not this. This is God's design for the church, that that we would live as sent people, that not just a few chosen lucky ones get to do it, but that all of us can live sent. Come on, turn to somebody and say, you can live sent. You can live sent. This is what God wants for you. Are you willing? Are you willing? So I want to give you just two things, two things you can grab a hold of, and then we're going to pray together. Because I know when I talk about this, for some of you, you're like, Brad, man, I'm, I'm in. I don't want to live for myself anymore. 
I want this. I desire this, whatever, whenever God has, but I don't even know where to start. One place I think you can start is in the Discover group that Laura and I are going to be doing beginning next Sunday. If you're here last week, we gave you an opportunity to sign up for it. I think 15 or 20 of you did took advantage of that and said, yeah, I want to be part of that. We have this assessment that uh, goes for four weeks. Every assessment is unique and, and targeted towards something in your life. You were created on purpose for a purpose. And the Discover assessment is going to help you to discover who you are. I, it will be radically transformational for you. If you want to go through that class, grab a next step card, fill it out, write Discover Group. The second thing, though, I think that we could do is something practically that's not very difficult that we could all do every day. And, and there's three words I want to give you. And you, you've heard me use these words before, intercede, invest, and invite. But today I want to give you three different words, okay? Three different words. I want you to write these down. Intercede, invest, inform. Intercede, invest, inform. What do I mean by that? First thing you can do is you can intercede. Just begin praying. Just begin praying that God would use you in some way, and lead you to someone. You know, we have a prayer that we say at the end of every service, and I know some of you have been coming a while, and we put up on the screen, you're like, oh, there it is again. How many more Sundays are we going to do this prayer? Are you serious? We're going to keep doing it until we live it. We're going to keep doing it at least until we have it memorized. And I would challenge you if you haven't memorized, cool, but if you don't, then you should say, maybe, just maybe, I need this prayer. How much do we need this prayer? I need this prayer. Every single morning that I wake up, without fail, I roll out of bed and I fall to my knees, because that's where I want to start, surrendered fully to whatever God has for me, and then I say that prayer. And God, fill me with love. Give me boldness. Share the hope and the healing and the peace and the purpose of Jesus. And God, lead me to the hurting and the hopeless and the lonely and the discouraged. Today I declare that I'm available and I'm willing to be used for your glory and your honor. Amen. And I get up from my knees and I go, it's not the only time that I'm with God, but that's how I start my day. And, and can we just put the prayer on the screen? This is, this is who we are as a church. This isn't just a prayer we say. It's not just something we say, blah, 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 blah. It's not a ritual that we say. This is who we are. Every Sunday when we say this prayer, it's a declaration to one another and a declaration to our God and to myself, that's who I am. I'm going to live sent so intercede, pray. The second thing you can do is you can invest, do good. Just simply get your eyes up. When you say, man, this is my prayer, and, and, and then begin looking around for opportunities to do good. Invest, whatever it is, wherever, just do good. Just whatever it is, just do good. And then, and then when the time is right, we used to say invite. I think we may need to change that to inform because people just aren't coming to the house of God like they used to. It's harder and harder to get people just to come to church. I think we've got to take a step before that, and that is to inform them. Because when you do good in somebody's life, I guarantee you they're going to ask you, why are you doing this? Why would you help me? What is it about you? 
There's just something weird about you, something different about you. What is it? And that's going to be your opportunity. Not to be weird to them and go through some memorized presentation. Just be yourself. Oh, um, well, I'm, to be honest with you, I'm a follower of Jesus, and this is who Jesus was. This is what he did, and, and I try to live my life like Jesus, and I believe that I, I'm called to take hope and healing, peace, purpose into our world, and, and I just felt like you needed some, some help. I wanted to help you, because that's what, that's what we do as followers of Jesus. Simple as that. Just in, in, inform them. 